God, because that is the one word I want you to go home with, power. And that is going to be in our uh, study here, but this is going to be brief, okay? Because uh, uh, the most important thing today was to hear what God did through the Williams family. Thank you, Dale, Vanessa, and all you kids, and uh, Maya. That was a beautiful presentation with those, uh, all, you did such a great job. And uh, we, we covered you in prayer, and God answered those prayers. And what a beautiful testimony was shared with us. And that would lead us into uh, our study this morning. Just I want to look at a few verses that we read, Acts chapter 1. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. And let's just read together again, if you follow along. Acts 1, and I'm going to read from verse 6 to 11 again. And when they had come together, they were asking him, Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up, While they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stare looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Here we see the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ as he was preparing to say goodbye to his disciples. Now he gathered them together, and when he gathered them together, they didn't know exactly what Jesus was going to do or what he was going to say. But they had this hope, woe, This might be the time. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. We're gathering together. This might be the time the kingdom's going to come. That God and the Lord Jesus is going to restore Israel to its former glory. And the glory that is promised in the Old Testament through the prophecies. And so that's why they ask the question. Lord, is it time now? Is this the big time? That your your kingdom is going to be restored? The kingdom of Israel? And what did Jesus say to them? I'm sure they were kind of disheartened when he said, it's not for you to know the times, but the Father knows. And I think that's a reminder to all of us. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but we believe it could be any day now. But we have to live like he's coming back any moment, any time. And we have to be 
vigilant in understanding that if that is true, that Jesus is going to come back the same way he left in the clouds, then time is short. And this should put a burden on our hearts to serve our Lord Jesus Christ and to be able and willing to share our faith and the gospel with those we meet along the way until we get home, until that trumpet sounds. And so Jesus said, don't worry about the time. You know, I think we have a lot, it's, it's very easy for we as Christians to get so wrapped up in the signs of the times, and we have them, they're all around us, that uh, we, we get, you know, some get to the point where, like in years past, they try and, and figure everything out. Well, this matches this. And, and they try and come up with, well, here's a date that Jesus is going to come back. And you remember some of the folk and teachers, preachers that would set dates. This is when Jesus is going to come back. But what Jesus said, no one knows the hour. So in other words, don't, don't focus so much on trying to figure out when. But while you are waiting, Jesus says to them, I want you to understand this. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here he gives the great commission to his disciples. They are shocked that he's leaving them. But he leaves them with a task to do. A ministry. And basically he lays it out there for them. And he, he makes it clear. He says, you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And once that happens, what's next? You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, we talk about uh, our witnessing and sharing our faith. And I'm sure many of you uh, are scared to death when it comes to sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with someone. Uh, that is one of the most difficult things many times for a Christian to do because we feel inadequate. I'm going to stumble over my words. I don't know exactly what to say. Uh, how, how do I give the gospel? And, and so, so we get so full of fear that basically we don't, we don't share. We aren't those witnesses. But as the disciples were called to be witnesses, so you and I have been called to be the witnesses for Christ until he comes to give the world the glorious gospel so they too might come to know Christ and have forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. But to be uh, the kind of witness Christ wants us to be, the secret is there in verse 8. And it is power. It is the power. That word power that is used here 
is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. Now, there are two English words that uh, we use for this word power. And it might be familiar to you. You've heard the phrase or the word dynamo. He's a dynamo. You've used it to describe someone. You know, someone who's exuberant and, and powerful. And uh, th- that word has been used. But mostly that word is used to, uh, concerning generating electrical power. Okay? But then there is the other English word that comes out of dynamo. And uh, I'm sorry, comes out of dunamis. And that is the word dynamite. Dynamite. And we've used that over the years. And that, of course, speaks of explosive power. Jesus is using that word to tell his disciples, I want you to be a witness for me, but I don't want you to go in your own strength. I don't want you to try and go out there and, and, and be a witness and share the gospel without my power. Without the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work and will work in each believer. Again, just a reminder, when you were saved, when you came to know Christ as Savior, the moment you were born again, at that moment, that promise that Jesus gave to the disciples happened to you. Notice he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When did the Holy Spirit come upon you? And upon me as believers, if the moment I was saved, the moment I was born again, God sent his Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus came through his spirit to dwell inside this body, in your body, to take residence there. And the Apostle Paul referred to that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've heard that phrase used before, sadly, it's used in a false way in some teaching that is not scriptural. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something that happens to you after you are saved. And somewhere down the road, well, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's that's not scriptural. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as Paul talked about, he said to the church in one of his letters, We have all been baptized into one spirit. So therefore, it's already done. It's not something, some experience that you're going to look ahead and try. Oh, I hope I can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My dear Christian, you've already had it. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And you have all his power within your body. So that he can work through you great things that you might be able to be a witness without fear. Here is this term that is used uh, when we talk about having the power, using the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It's found in Scripture as being filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit is not some 
emotional experience where you get high and, and, and all excited and I'm filled with the Spirit and, and you just are out of control. That's not what filling of the Spirit means according to the Scriptures. But I want you to see with me in one passage of Scripture, stay in Acts here and just slide over to Acts chapter 4. If you go to Acts chapter 4, verse 1, Acts 4, verse 1. And here is the, the best example I, I could share with you this morning of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being, which is the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and by the way, that word filled uh, in the Greek, in the New Testament, there are actually two words that are used for filled, but basically they mean the same thing. And the word filled has the idea of being under the influence of, okay? So uh, if someone is drinking alcohol and they drink it in excess and they become drunk, suddenly they're doing things that they normally wouldn't do without that, without that alcohol. But once they are consumed by alcohol, it is a controlling substance that will cause them to do different things. In fact, there's medicines out there, you know, that are spe specific medicines that you just can't, once you get the prescription, you just can't get the easy refill right away because it is what is termed a controlled substance, a controlled substance. Those special medications that are drugs that will really affect you and your body and your mind. So the word filled here has the idea of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so understanding the word filled. Look with me at verse 1. And, and here they are, Peter and John are out preaching the gospel. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. In other words, the gospel. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But I love verse four. But many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And it came about the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there. And Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they had placed them, Peter and John, in the center, they began to inquire, verse 7. By what, what's the next word? Power. By what power or in what name have you done this? And here it is in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Here is that moment. Peter had the Holy Spirit, was given the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. 
And remember, when the Spirit was given and is given to you, given to them at Pentecost, the beginning of the church age, and given to every believer when we believe and are born again, that Spirit comes to dwell within us permanently. It's a done deal. The Scriptures say we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, so you will never lose the Holy Spirit. Our problem is we can quench the Holy Spirit by not allowing Him to control us and control our actions, our attitudes, But Peter, surrendering himself to the Holy Spirit within him, the Spirit gave him the words to say. And he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, Whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no no other name given under heaven that is given among men whereby we must be saved. He stood there being filled with the Spirit, and out of his mouth came these words. And then verse 13. What effect does the filling of the Holy Spirit have upon others when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Spirit to share our witness and our testimony? Verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence, there's a key word, They observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with who? With Jesus. As having been with Jesus. They listened to Peter. They heard his words. Something was different about him. They noticed a confidence and a boldness to be able to speak, and they go, that man sounds like Jesus. And guess what? He did. Why? Because Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, was speaking through him. And my friends, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I are going to be able to be his witnesses and not be afraid. But you and I can have the same confidence Peter had and was given. Oh, our, we, we will share the gospel differently. You know, sometimes you may share it one way and you, you feel like, oh man, did I blow that. You know, and you share the gospel with someone, you go, I should have said this or I shouldn't have said that. And then you come away all discouraged. But the Lord is going to take that seed that you've sown because you've been willing to share it and be a witness. Um, you know, Nick speaked about it. Jaron speaked about it. About Word of Life, what they do is they go to New York City and they do street evangelism. And what a powerful ministry that is. But to do that, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you'll have the boldness and allow the Spirit to speak through you. What did Jesus say? We don't have time to look at it. But Jesus said... Don't worry about when they, they take you and you stand before governors and kings and everybody for my sake. Don't worry about what you're going to say. 
for the words will be given to you at that moment. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit giving us the words to speak, and he will do that. Now, I shared this uh, with some, some of you before have heard this, but I, it bears repeating here uh, for, uh, to try and, and get this um, message across. My dad and mom uh, uh, were directors of Child Evangelism Fellowship years ago uh, when I was a kid in Philadelphia. So my dad as a director there and with, with my mom, uh, he, on the streets of Philadelphia, uh, you talk about a place you have to minister and do street evangelism. So my dad would take young teenagers and those who want to be summer missionaries, and he'd take them out to, for training, much like Anna did, because Anna was taken during her training for Child Evangelism Fellowship. This year and in, in the past, she did street evangelism. And so my dad took this one young man out and uh, trying to train him and see how he would do with, with sharing the gospel. So he took him out. It was around maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock, and it was getting a little dark, dusky. And uh, the street, street where he went was kind of deserted. And so my, uh, my dad's looking around there, and they're looking for someone to witness to. And suddenly this boy's riding his bike down the street. Here he comes, uh, and the young summer missionary says to my dad, There's somebody. I'll go witness to him. So he runs out into the street, and as the boy is riding his bike along, he runs out and he grabs the bike and stops it. Right there. No one else around. The boy is suddenly frozen. And then my dad is observing this because this is training. So the young man, staring into the kid's eyes after he just stopped his bike, said, are your parents anywhere around? Whew. Uh, 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 the boy said, No. Then the young man said, I have a question for you. What would happen if you died tonight? Now you put yourself in this kid's shoes. He doesn't know what to do. But this young man is trying to share the gospel. He's doing it his way. But not quite the way that dad was trying to train him to do. So he says that question, what would you uh, do if, if you died tonight? What would happen to you if you died tonight? And he didn't speak. Then the young man said, well, I'm going to show you. <laughs> and, and by this time, the kid is about to faint off the bike. And suddenly the young missionary reaches into his pocket like this. Can you imagine? This is streets of Philly. I've been there. I grew up there. Yeah, someone's reaching in their pocket. You better take off. <laughs> but, but he reaches in the pocket and pulls out a New Testament. <laughs> and then he opens it and tries to share the gospel with the kid. And the kid, poor kid, I'm sure he didn't hear a word he said. He, said, he just wanted to, Lord, uh, you, you know, he wanted to get out of there. 
But, the, but he did share the gospel with him. And my dad, uh, you know, he, he saw how maybe not the best way to share it. But what was the key for that young summer missionary? He was willing to do it. He was bold with his witness. And the Holy Spirit, though he may have done it the wrong way, I'm sure as he gave the gospel, the Holy Spirit was planting the seed in that young boy's heart. And God used that young man. And Dad had said that he saw that young man grow in the Lord and become a great missionary for Christ. You see, we have to be willing, but we can't do it in our own strength. Dear Christian, don't go out there and try and be a witness in your own strength, with your own ability, your own smarts, your own talent, or your your own strength. But do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. That, that, That Holy Spirit will speak through you and empower. And you will see God do great things as you surrender yourself to him. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, dear Christian, perhaps as you look at your own life, you realize that you haven't been serving the Lord. You're saved, you're going to heaven, but What are you doing for him right now? This church, Jonestown Bible Church, needs you. Needs people who are willing to serve and volunteer and help. There are many areas in need here. We need you. But maybe you say, I'm not, I don't don't think I can do it. uh, I'm out of my comfort zone. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do what he's called you to do. Or if it's the, the resistance to witness, to be the witness God wants you to be and to share your faith, would you just right now, whether it's being a witness out there or serving the Lord, being willing to serve right here in this local church, would you make a commitment now to the Lord. Surrender yourself to him and say, Lord, I will do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me, Lord, with your spirit to do what I feel I can't do and use me. Christian, if you make that decision this morning, that commitment, God will use you just like he did the apostle Peter. You'll be just as empowered as he was to do what God called you to do, what God has given you to do, no matter what it is. And he will empower you to be a witness. If you say, Lord, make me bold in my witness. Help me not to be afraid and give me the words to speak as I seek to win souls to Christ. Would you make that commitment, Christian, right now? If you're here without Christ, you've never received him as Savior, we invite you to know the Savior. Right where you sit, you understand the simple gospel that Jesus died for you on that cross, took your punishment for your sins, so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell, 
but you could have eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and heaven would be your home. It's offered to you. If you've never received Christ by faith, would you receive him now? Just pray a simple prayer like this with me, right where you are. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm so sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. With heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you're now a child of God. You've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. He's entered your heart, entered your life, and now you are saved, born again. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for encouraging us, Lord, through the wonderful testimony of the Williams family. And Father, they were willing to step out by faith. Be willing to be used of you to serve, to disciple, to lead others to Christ and be bold with their witness. Father, may we use them as an example, Lord. Help us, Lord, to surrender ourselves to your indwelling Holy Spirit, that we may know that the power is of you and not of us, as we seek to be that bold witness for thee. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.